0: I'm Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to Out With Jimmy. The podcast remembers the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you in the hope that no matter if you're in the closet or out, you're not alone. I want to thank you for joining us and also uh, remind you, if you'd like to share your story, go to uh, Jimmy. Email me at Jimmy at OutWithJimmy.com. That's Jimmy, OutWithJimmy.com. And uh, send me a message there. Follow us on social media, Out With Jimmy, except for Instagram, Out With Jimmy Alexander. Again, I say that poor guy who has Out With Jimmy on Instagram must wonder why all these people are writing him about their coming out stories. Uh, and again, if you uh, haven't subscribed on Apple Podcasts, make sure you do that. And it sure does help if you uh, click subscribe and leave as many uh, positive reviews as you can and a lot of stars. This week, Brian Curtis is Out With Jimmy. Hi, I'm Brian Curtis from Bethesda, Maryland. I'm
1: a superintendent for a construction company, and I'm a proud gay man. Okay,
0: who's the first person that you looked at and said, "I'm gay"? Hmm. I can easily answer. One of the handsome brothers, I'd say. Um, bop. <laughs> <laughs> were you a Zach man? No. Uh, who? Who did you tell that you were gay? Um. Who's the first person you
1: told you were gay? My buddy Shane. Hmm. Late in life, 28, and I'm 36 now.
0: Oh, my God. Yes, late bloomer. And so I was a late bloomer. I was 35 at the time. I was bloomed, uh, meaning that somebody outed me. Um, Again, the worst thing your girlfriend can ever ask you is, how can Steven describe your body? (laughs) That did not go well. So what made you confide in in, in Shane? Uh, I think I reached a point. It was around
1: that Obama era with, you know, gay rights, gay marriage coming on. I just had enough. I felt the time, I'm like, I cannot hide anymore. I got to be me.
0: And how did they take it?
1: Very well. He was gay, so it was. Yeah. I confided with him and then told my brother the next day. And how'd that go? Very well. he's like, cool, no big deal. Tell me the feeling after you came out. Such liberation. I felt like I was truly myself. Just like, I mean, I'm sure everybody feels just a rock, a
0: weight off my shoulders. Absolutely. It's a, gr- it's a great feeling, isn't it? It is. 'Cause hiding is horrible.
1: Yeah, it was just the fakery, the, the the lying, the dodging, it was just it got too much.
0: When was the first time you were with a guy? Probably when uh again, late bloomer, nineteen? Okay. And so you so from nineteen till twenty how old? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. So for eleven years you were good old Craigslist ads. <laughs> Uh, I never did the Craigslist, and I'll tell you why. Not that I'm judging, because, again, I met my husband on Scruff. And when you live life like that, hookups are fun. But then after it's over, you're, like, ready to get the hell out of there. And
1: Yeah, it's just a sense of emptiness. And I carried that through even when I came out. Grinder, up to my technology, but there's just a sense of (laughs) emptiness. And luckily, I dodged a bullet, no diseases or anything, but it's just an awful...
0: Empty way of life. And, and I want to say that I'm not, believe me, I'm not judging anybody to have fun. I'm not saying that. But you do get to a point where you want more than that. Yes. And you want to know the person's last name, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. Or did you ever experience I did on um, President's Day or um, MLK Day or Memorial Labor Day where, or a snow day where everybody is with their loved one, their boyfriend, girlfriend? And I'm like going, okay, I'm here I, I there's a hookup, sure, but I want something more than just that, yeah, did you? uh, well, I eventually met a
1: boyfriend and uh, yeah, when I was twenty eight quickly, and we fell in love and were together for about three years, yeah, and that kind of ran its course um it
0: does not surprise me someone who looks like you
1: found a boyfriend pretty yeah, fast there's late bloomer on that too, yeah. but you know that. They say you're not supposed to date someone right when they come out, and I see why now. I, I still didn't know who I was.
0: Yeah. How, did your parents take it?
1: Took well, it very—my uncle was gay, and he yeah. died of AIDS in 94, so that wasn't—really not a shock or, you know, no weirdness. They were more like, what took you so long? What did take you so long? I think—see, uh, I worked in construction since I was 19, and I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, blaming that. But I lived a double life where I'd go to this macho or alpha male industry and then come home on the weekends and just try to be a different person. It was just too much. And And even to this day, 2020, I still hear the F word, cocksucker, this, uh, tons
0: of homophobia. You were somebody who passes a straight. So by looking at you— and I say this, not offending anybody, because my husband would rightly admit that he is somebody that when you look at him, you know he's gay. Yes. Yeah. And you are not one of those people. You look. You, it's a double-edged sword because I think
1: I've had an addiction my whole life mm-hmm. to alcohol, and I, I honestly think, I'm like, was it construction or was it because I, I just didn't want to deal with the noise of coming out. I'm like, ah, it's easier just to stay like this. Yeah. And I was
0: drinking a lot, and it just, I don't know, I just didn't. are you happier now that you're out? Absolutely. And ha- did you have people in your life who are no longer there because you...
1: Yes. actually just came from a brunch right now, talking about an old friend that just, two of them just disappeared.
0: How did the guys at work treat you? I'm not
1: full, I don't promote it or not promote, I don't announce
0: it at work. Yeah. Some
1: people know, some don't. It's still easier yeah. to just I understand. bring
0: it up. I understand. But I will say this. Um, don't ever bend over if you're wearing Andrew Christian. That may yeah. tip yeah. off that, that uh, you're gay. Yes. Um, I always warn wives, and you'll hear me say this often, if your husband's underwear is prettier than yours, be concerned. Yes. Um, so living the life that you did, and I live that life also, it would surprise a lot of people, don't you think, of how many people are living two lives?
1: Married um, men. Let's just say I hooked up with a lot of straight men. Yeah. Uh, which this sounds sick, but I found that as a turn on. I'm like, ooh, like really weird, but S- straight, that was like
0: hot. Nah, straight man is a gay man's kryptonite. Yes, yes it yes. is. Yes. When you live the life where you're secretive and you're hiding things, it's easy to hide other things. I want to congratulate you on celebrating your sixth month of uh, being sober. Thank you. I think in our community, um, I don't know if we glorify, I don't know if glorify is the right word, but we're not being honest with ourselves with uh, the issues that we have with drugs in our community. Now, I know that drugs are rampant everywhere, but I think that we owe it to ourselves to take a, a real look at ourselves.
1: Yeah, I think we normalize. Uh, a, alcohol use, that's, I mean, you go to every pride festival, and it's just, again, it's not everybody, but for gay people, and I'm sure there's stats on it, it's just party drinks drink, and brunch. That's another thing. Yeah. Normal people have maybe at most three mimosas. When, when I went out yeah. with gay people, it's like, God damn, they just keep coming.
0: Yeah, the, where you order uh, mimosas and a liver on the side. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a just, lot. Now, um, I have uh, several people I've said this to, when they talk about doing like Molly or a G or stuff like that, or I'm like, aren't you concerned you're, and they're like, well, no, I know exactly how much to do. And that is always the thing said when someone dies is like, well, you need to stop doing that. Well, no, I, I see, they didn't know, but I know exactly how much to do. And I would imagine the uh, cemeteries are filled with people who said, I know exactly how much to do. Yeah. I mean, a, you don't know what
1: you're getting. B, it's just, Weed and alcohol are one thing, and I'm not here to evangelize sobriety or you must do this. But when you exit the realm of alcohol and marijuana, you're entering into Molly, any hard drug, pills, meth. I mean, I don't even need to comment on that. It, it's There is no I know what I need or dosing, so to say. When did you first start drinking? Uh, probably when I— Normal, consistent drinking, 18. And how did you know you first had a problem with drinking? I knew I was an alcoholic senior year. In high school? Yes. Uh, That summer going into college, it was every night. But again, looking in the mirror, I didn't think I had a problem. I went to college. I have a good job. Fast forward to now. I have an apartment in Bethesda. Life on the outside looked great, but... Over the years it just kept deteriorating. It went from beer, like, ugh, I'm not a wine fan to oh, I like wine. I'm not a liquor fan to buying bottles of Jack. It just progressively got worse. And
0: when did it move to other things?
1: Well, I did, weirdly enough, in high school. I was a major Coke head. I started my Where did
0: you get Coke in high school? I know, it's that weird. that
1: is So my friends and I, we were always kind of the outcast kids. Uh, we found some weirdo guy in Potomac, loaded, that had the best Coke you can imagine. Why? To this day, I'm like, why was he hanging out with us? There was nothing weird or sexual. He was just a weirdo. And we got a good connection to Coke. And obviously, at that age, you yeah. need to fund that. So I created a auto club in high school. At the time, it was Chevy Chase Bank. I got a fake uh, 501c3 bank account. We were going out fundraising.
0: For we the, had a good time. For the cocaine. Yes. I, so if you know you're a good employee, I know whatever you're doing at your job, you're very good at it. Because if you are so ingenious to come up with a plan to fund fund your cocaine habit, yes. you are a smart man. At a young age. Um, You know, we, you tell the story, and I'm chuckling. but And I'm sure you look back and you're like, what the hell, what was I doing? Yes, sophomore year of college, at the time, I thought it was a
1: heart attack. It was probably my first panic attack. I quit it cold turkey. Fast forward to about three years ago, I picked it back up with a vengeance. I mean, like an eight ball Friday, eight ball. Saturday. Okay, now I have to
0: say I don't know about drugs. So, what is an eight ball? Uh, what? What? How it's much is it?
1: Three and a half grams. It's a lot. Okay, to be doing an eight ball in one night. Okay, what would normal? Normal people would probably barely do a
0: gram. Okay, like on a club night. So, how did you feel? after doing that
1: i've always been high strung add like just, just yeah. a venti coffee and that just escalated it to next look give me a windex bottle i'm gonna clean it yeah
0: <laughs> so you had the cleanest apartment and in, in bethesda so you're doing did you smoke weed also yeah and that weed for me was yeah. just a maintenance thing like yeah. i need to calm down yeah <laughs> and so coke and how about prescriptions
1: Never was into them, but if I could get my hands on them, that was yeah. a bonus. And uh, Molly or anything like that? Got into Molly late in life. Two years ago, typical addict. Once I tried it, I'm like, this is awesome. I want more. And how about um, meth? Meth, I never discovered until a grinder hookup came over. Or no, I went to his house. He said, oh, help yourself to some coke. So I took a couple lines. I'm like, God, that's the worst shit I've ever had. It burned. And I could see him chuckling, and within minutes, I'm like, "Oh my god, I feel great!" And turns out it was meth. Okay, uh, Christmas Eve, by the way. Oh,
0: Merry Christmas! (laughs) Because nothing celebrates the birth of our Lord and Savior like um, someone introducing you to meth. I'm going to ask this out of ignorance, Mm -hmm. and I I think there may be—I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't know what any of these things are going to would do for you. So I'm going to ask you: Describe what doing coke does for you. Me, the, the positive of feelings, not, and I'm not glorifying it. I just want to know, you do coke and you do it because it does what?
1: I can't bullshit. I mean, I'm in
0: recovery yeah. now, so I have
1: to speak honestly. At the time, I felt invincible. Um, when you have like three cocktails and normal people get tired, go home, go to bed, it zaps that out. Uh, you just feel on top of the world. You talk about nothing till four in the morning, too. I mean, it's just Pride. you feel amazing.
0: Brian, I had a friend who, but there's a crash. (laughs) Well, I have a friend who is, who's been sober, I want to say like seven years. And he said that he got into cocaine, not because he was addicted to Coke, but it was because he was such an alcoholic. He wanted to drink more. Correct. That too. Okay. So when you crash, what does the crash feel like?
1: Um, Well, real quick on the other thing. I never felt comfortable in my own skin. I'm always nervous around people. Even after coming out, I just didn't feel like I connected with anyone. So when I drank and did Coke, I could just talk to you forever about nothing. So anyways, the crash, you don't realize how much you're drinking while on that. Hey, you never even go to bed. So you're up till the next day, maybe nap for two hours. Party all night Friday, up all day Saturday, go to bed Saturday night, or I guess Sunday morning at like 3 in the morning, and Sunday is just shot. You feel like death,
0: you're depressed, you just don't want to do
1: anything, and then boom,
0: here comes Monday. Do you feel, is it come down afterwards, you start beating yourself up for doing it? With coke, no, with
1: meth, it's a whole different
0: different game. So let's go to, um, have you ever done heroin? Once, no. Okay, I'd say no. So, um, Molly, what does Molly do for you?
1: Molly, I mean, if I were to touch you right now, yeah, like, oh, I mean it just it heightens all your senses. Okay, music, uh, everything is. A, you could listen to the worst song, you're like, oh my god, that's awesome. And then meth. Meth. If cocaine were an inch, as far as height, meth would be point out of. A tape measure to infinity, it's just out of this world. Um, it, it scientifically the dopamine levels, it just releases everything.
0: And afterwards?
1: Uh, you want to kill yourself, you feel like shit, the war I've never been a depressed person, the worst depression that you can ever I mean it's depleted your dopamine, your body is just shot.
0: Six months ago, what led you? that moment going I can't do this anymore.
1: I had <clears throat> some people in recovery have what they call a spiritual awakening in sobriety. I actually had it while high. I was at the pool in Bethesda with my friends. I had done a line of coke, uh, edible gummy bear and like a couple shots. Normal Saturday we go over to the pool. have headphones on and uh, shout out to David Peruzzi. He posted A Steven Tyler link in studio singing the song Amazing, which I had no clue was about recovery. And I'm just high as a kite at the pool listening to this. And and I just out of nowhere started busting out crying with my friends. there. It's a beautiful summer day. I walk back to my apartment and I I just said, I can't do this anymore. The jig is up. I've just had enough of all of it. And uh, that was a Saturday, that Wednesday, July 31st, 2019 was the last time I've touched any mind-altering substance.
0: You will go to your first meeting. Mm-hmm. What is that like?
1: I'm um, a little nervous at first. Again, I never felt comfortable in my skin. Even coming out, I just, I don't know if you call it social anxiety, even though I'm a social person. I always felt on guard and I
0: you were don't you think you were so used to hiding who yes. you were?
1: I carried that into post coming out. When you're an addict, you're still not yourself. Yeah. You're still living fakery to an extent. And um, for one to my life, I let go of everything. I surrendered everything. No more bullshitting, No more lying. Get rid of the ego. And it, it was for me. It's the second coming out. It's the final chapter. Like wow, I truly feel.
0: Me well, who was the first person that you told you were an addict?
1: Uh um, my I, I got to stop calling my ex. He's my best friend, Brendan. Um, we're both in recovery, and um, we just knew the jig was up. It's like it's it's time to
0: live an honest life. And you did it together. You quit together. It wasn't a mutual decision. Yeah. We're both on our own path. But, but I mean, around the same time. Yep. And what must be nice to have somebody that you care about. That it is that can identify with
1: that? After six months, I mean, I'd be lying if I said, oh, I'm better, it's yeah. a lifelong disease. I would say the obsession has been lifted, but it's an everyday, one day at a time. Yeah. I don't, I, I get freaked out if I start, like it's going to be warm tomorrow. That's a trigger. I'm like, God, I can't drink at the beach or in Miami or Ocean City. With my recovery, i just live for today, think yeah. about and that helps. Um, so, we'd say booze is the thing that is the major... Booze was the catalyst to all the bad drugs that I did.
0: Now, I read on your Facebook post about gambling. Yes. Gambling is an issue?
1: Not in casinos. I would go to bars, like sleazy bars, course, Bethesda. They don't have like Kino or anything. Yeah. Even, well, there is one. I won't say its name, but... I'd go to like Wheaton. Nothing against Wheaton, but it, uh, just certain bars, and just play crappy gambling games. Yeah. but typical addict. I gotta go all. I'd spend like two hundred
0: dollars on something. You are like, I can't believe I just wasted two hundred bucks on this stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because those are pl- played to be fun, not a serious. You know. Yeah, I mean, you are not retiring. Off, no, off a no, no game. Okay. Um, and of all the the moments, um. In the last six months, which has been the most challenging? Hmm, that's a good question.
1: Yeah, uh, my mom splits her time between Fort Lauderdale and D.C., so they're down there now as we speak. And I have three times I've had to cancel a trip to visit her. Just be, and that probably hurts her, but I can't go there for the sake of my sobriety. I understand that paradise. Yeah you know drinks and nothing to do with her it's just the atmosphere of palm trees and yeah i'm not ready in my my recovery yet to be around What's, that. it's
0: good that you know yourself well enough to know that that that's an issue um i want to thank you for being so honest with this cuz i'm asking you questions i think most people who may not uh, have an issue like that want to know and i think there's probably at least one person who's listening who totally understands everything you're saying?
1: Yeah, and I, I will say one thing that I tried the white knuckling effect or theory where you just quit everything. Mm. It doesn't work, scientifically proven not to work. I'm not here to promote any way of getting sober. But in September 4th, Memorial Day of 2018, I, I had my first like, I gotta stop all this. Mm-hmm. So I quit drinking for two months, smoked weed every day. It wasn't a true sobriety. And after those two months, it's called a kindling effect. Your body, you know, it's relieved of all Mm -hmm. the toxins. Once, And Amy Winehouse actually died of this. It's a kindling effect in the sense that once you go back to doing it, you typically start doing more and more and more. And that's when I started meth.
0: I'd heard through a friend who's in Al-Anon that when you – it could be two months, it could be 10 years, it could be 20 years, that when you go back – you don't go back to drinking one glass of wine. Yeah. You go back exactly where you ended, yep. and your body is not ready for that, and then yes. that's where a lot of overdoses happen. Yeah. Right? Uh, again,
1: Amy Winehouse's autopsy showed no drugs in it. Her body wasn't – she took a break, went back to her normal. You pick up right where you left off, if not worse. I hear these stories all the time. And, uh,
0: yeah. It's- How important are meetings to you and your sobriety? I go every, day the, every the, day, the most
1: critical part.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's great. I um, was asked by a friend to go with them to one. And it was one of the most moving things I'd ever been to. Because they were being honest. You could just tell the were being honest. And I um, felt very fortunate that because my father, I mentioned uh, before we started, was an alcoholic. And he uh, was addicted to pain uh, medication. And I always knew that's why I grew up without a dad. And so I tried to, I always kind of um, respected any substance like that and uh, respected, maybe not the word, right word, but I kept a, a distance from it because I was concerned that with my background that that could be me. And um, I know my personality. I either love something 100% or don't care anything about it. And if I liked it, I would be concerned with where that would go. And I, I just, you know, I want to be careful with that. You must feel physically so much better. Oh, my God. I've, I've lost 14 pounds, a workout. I follow you on social media, mm-hmm. and I, I love how honest you are. And when I see it, I'm always happy for you. Thank you. You know, and I'm sure you hear this from people because um, a lot of times when you're going through, like, something like you are, you want to hide it so people don't know. Yeah, but you were totally honest about it. Yeah, and I I don't hide it because
1: I don't. there's so much shame with addiction that that people hide just like being gay. You hide in the closet. I don't want to be pinned as an alcoholic or a drug user. Um, But just like the whole gay movement, you see Jamie Lee Curtis, there's um, Robert Downey, there's so many people that are open about it. And uh, one thing I will say, I'm just having a fly, you mentioned meetings, I researched the most expensive, the best therapist in DC, paying 200 something dollars an hour. Took no insurance. I just had to swipe my credit card, thinking that would fix me. But again, lying to him. Oh, no. How much do you drink on the weekend? A little. That didn't work. It's the meetings, it's being honest, what has really helped me. What would you drink in a normal week? Past three years, probably two bottles of Jack. Beer, two bottles of wine. No wonder you lost Everything. weight. No wonder you I lost weight. God, yeah, really? Uh, um, with meth, I was up for four days straight.
0: How did you go to work?
1: I said I always planned my drug use. Uh, one thing I never messed with was my job. So if there was a three-day weekend, I would always plan. I'll take that Friday off and that Tuesday off. So It's a five-day, you know, whatever it would be. Uh, I had the Christmas break off when I first tried meth. Christmas Eve, Uh, I'll never forget calling my parents because they're divorced. Two Christmases, I had to show up to. I was so, like, tweaked out and freaking out. December 26th, I admitted myself to Suburban Hospital. Because meth, like I said, is next level. I mean, Coke is nothing compared to that. And this
0: is your first time doing it? First
1: time doing it. I'm kind of a worry ward. I've done a lot
0: of drugs, but doing
1: meth the first. And I did way too much, and I was... Semi uh, violated on it. I don't know if we can talk about that. Absolutely. So the guy I hooked up with, this is a, like extremely dangerous. It's almost like shooting it. He had sprinkled meth on his dick, mm-hmm. and not. I had no clue he did this, and basically put it in me, which is almost equivalent to like injecting it. At a high, and I'm like.
0: And so you had no Feeling to, good, you, but I'm
1: freaking out. Yeah. And I'm like, of course, you're, you're high at the time, so I didn't really give a shit. And but now
0: when you look back, like, horrifying. I can't believe you did that to me.
1: Horrifying. Uh. And two days later, I, I mean, picture waking up eight hours of sleep refreshed with a venti. Like, I was still alert. and I'm like, this is not normal. So I freaked out and went to Suburban. And they basically gave me like a, a IV thing of Xanax just to calm down, but it was just—you think that would scare you? A weekend later, I'm right back at it, doing the same thing. That's how powerful the addiction is.
0: What well, and that, and that was two years ago.
1: That was Christmas Eve, 2018.
0: You look at where you are now in your life. You don't have to deal with the—that's ma- madness. Oh, Feels I mean, so good. When, when you hear that story that you just re- re- relayed to me, and I know it, it's different when it happened to you, so it doesn't sound like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. And hearing that story, I'm, it took me a second to, to realize that you were raped, really, with this, yeah. with this stuff. drug raped. <laughs> and it's horrific. And now you have normalcy. I do. Do you allow yourself to enjoy being normal. I, I never lived normal since
1: 19. I've been an addict. Again, I always knew I was an addict, but I look in the, I have a Bethesda apartment. I have a car. I have, you have a, a great job. Okay. I have a good job. Everything seemed, I allowed it to happen. I knew deep down, like, when is this going to come to a head? Like I knew deep down some people in addiction are like, geez, it just like, I, I always knew it's just like, how far can we push this? Today, to live free, happy, and sober is just, I love, I I laugh harder. I have genuine friends. Food tastes better. Food tastes better. I got to quit smoking. Uh, One thing at a time. One thing at a time.
0: Uh, Well, what about uh, friends? Did you have to get rid of some friends?
1: I never really had friends. It was always surrounded by, again, I never felt comfortable in my skin.
0: I mean, drug friends. Did you?
1: The first thing to go? Yeah. And And that hurt.
0: That did hurt. Because I had a friend who was addicted to meth in San Francisco. And he said, I said, well, what was the, how did you get off it? And he said, my husband and I moved. Mm. We had to literally move to the other side of the city. And I said, well, what would you do if you saw them now? He goes, I'd walk to the other side of the street.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I can't. They're triggers to me, and they never did me wrong. They're great people. But I look at them, and I'm like, and you mentioned moving a lot of people in active addiction, because I was one of them. Do what's called a geographic. If I would just move to New York, yeah. if I would just move to Chicago, I can start a new life. It's like, no, you're just bringing your problems. Yeah. Don't do that. Because you're going there too. Yeah, yeah, your problems are coming right with you. The now gra- sobriety, yeah. I want to do it to you. I'm like, God. I, Where would you go? It's weird, and I sound like an old fart, but I, I'm gravitating towards a more peaceful. I go up to Frederick on the weekends a lot. It's a slower. I love the city, <clears throat> but it's a slower pace of life. And I don't know. I mean, my idea is to win the lottery and buy a huge yes. like Downton Abbey yeah. farm. Well, yeah,
0: but don't do that with the keynote. No, it'll no, be, no, no, no Kino. not with the Kino. Uh, <laughs> um, There's a twinkle in your eyes now, and I and I, you just seem at peace. I am. It's
1: it's my second coming out. It's like this is the real deal now.
0: And did you tell your family that you were an addict and?
1: I did. I waited a while to give them the details on, like, Coke and meth. Yeah. And I still don't think they quite understand that, how dangerous that came. But they're happy that they don't have My mom was always worried. Like, what are you posting on Facebook? Like, crazy shit I'd put on Facebook. I'm sure you saw oh, it, um, Fuck Trump. He's uh, fucking ass. <laughs> like,
0: okay, we was, all hate him. We don't I, have- I, I- <laughs>
1: It was just—I was losing my mind.
0: I saw a post and I almost—I post nudity. uh, I didn't complain about that, but I almost (laughs) um, um, sent a message uh, to you about because it was just so.
1: Are you okay? um, And when you're an addict, it's all about you. It's ego. Is that true? See, I didn't know that. Why it is? And I, I, again, I always thought ego is the guy with the cigarette boat or the big fancy convertible. Ego is doing whatever the fuck you want just because it's you. Like, I'm not letting this person in because I need to get here. Ego is everywhere. Um, It's not always about me now, and I sacrifice time, and it truly feels better to help others. I know it's cliche, but—
0: It's true. It it does. Cliches for reasons.
1: It gives you the best feeling inside. Even if it's as small as giving somebody a ride to the metro, you know, two blocks down because it's raining, simple stuff. Looking at a homeless person, I'm like, that fucking loser. It's like, I actually look, and homeless people, I've never been there, but I look at them in the eye now, like, you are a person. I'm well, a more compassionate person, I feel
0: now. And and it makes you like you better, right? Yes,
1: I'm happy. And
0: How long did you live not happy?
1: I was in such denial when I reflect now. I don't think I was, I was never an angry person because I was always high. I was never there. Mm. I was never fully depressed where I wanted to kill myself, but I remember saying I really don't care if I OD on this and die.
0: Like, that's not normal. No, because you think about the carnage that is left behind Mm. and just your parents, oh, my gosh, and your friends would be devastated. Life is great. It is. It It really is. That (laughs) that you're you're missing out on, you know, uh, that – well, I have a whole new set of
1: friends now, which, again, it took really six months, five months to, like, be normal with people. Like, everything was transactional with me. Like, what do you have? Whether it be sex, money, even just, oh, this person can get us into this place. Or It was always transactional. Nothing was ever genuine. And to go have dinner with somebody. To just hang out. My and, fellowship yeah. and look at them in the eye and not judge them. I was a very judge, like, if you ever watch Seinfeld, George, and uh, whatever, they'd always sit at the restaurant, bitch, and complain. That was me. I'd find something wrong with everyone. And in and recovery, you, they say, spot it, you got it. And I'm like, wow, I've never heard know, that if term. you see something wrong and you're pointing out their flaws, it's like, well, it's probably because you're just emulating or, you know.
0: It sounds like you're allowing yourself to be a better person. And I'm not yeah. saying that you were not a good person, but it's just saying... I don't think you thought you were a good person, and now you're allowing yourself to be one.
1: Yeah, and it's, again, I'm, I, I'm 36, and I've never had a clear mind. i gonna mean, smoking weed since 17. I've never been clear-minded unless I had the flu. There's always been a substance in me.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't say, well, the one time I was really clear-headed, I had the flu. How were you able to do so well in your career and at work?
1: I think I put every last bit of energy... Into my job, how else are you gonna buy the drugs? You need to have a paycheck. So, and I'm not gonna say I was the best employee. I mean, I I was at just like barely getting by. at Times that spike really good, but I did put all my, I hit it very well. And be miserable on Mondays. Oh God, I remember.
0: Aren't you glad you don't? I don't have that? to worry. But I still, my brain still panics. Like,
1: oh Brian, you're sober. Like it's okay
0: at your job. No one knew and it wasn't like you were just having too many drinks or other stuff going along with that. How much of a struggle is that uh, for people listening or, or friends and family who've gone through this to be there, there, at work, getting things done?
1: It feels great. My, I used to think my job was high stress. At times it is, but it's like, no, you were, you were under stress with all the physical demands. Like I used to think if I have a nice salad at Whole Foods, I was always trying to fight this addiction or counter-fight counter it with stuff. I'll take an Adderall, I'll feel better, get addicted to Adderall. Mm-hmm. Um, I run towards my problems now instead of away from them, and it's amazing when you put it on paper. Just deal with it. Don't put it under the rug. Don't push it off. Just
0: when you cross that thing off your list, feels great, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, communication, everything. How about, have you ever been in love? Yes. Just once. How long were you with that person? Three years, and we're best friends to this day. Okay, your friend you mentioned earlier. Do you want to get married one day?
1: I don't know. I still don't know. Mm.
0: Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll know. You know when you'll know when you meet the right person. Yeah. It happened to me, because uh, I used to say why well, we're in a great friendship, and but and I will tell you, as my my boss at DCW fifty says, um, he said this on his anniversary of his wife that he's been with forever. He said, um, I tell young people to get married. It's a nice way to live. It is a nice way to live. Yeah. So kids, everything about having kids?
1: Never. That's like on my resentment list. <laughs> Sorry. I just have no desire for children. But yeah. Whether no, I was straight or gay. Yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> they annoy me. You know, yeah. <laughs> Even at a young age, I'm like, God.
0: You're six months sober. What does the next six months, how much work does that take?
1: It's really just a daily... Conditioning of your I know this sounds all deep and weird, but as long as I keep I just look at today If something bad or I accept it for what it is and deal with it I'm not like ooh, like I don't get all flustered anymore and Compound issues and I just got a bill Again, the wreckage of my past I cheated my taxes for some stocks I didn't claim Mm -hmm. Got a pretty hefty tax bill the old me would be like fuck this. Let's pour a drink. Mm Mm-hmm and it's a big bill, so instead of running from the problem, I just worked out a payment plan, boom, done. Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like you don't have to catastrophize every little thing now, and it's just, I'm at peace with every little thing that comes my way. Um, but to answer your question, it's a daily condition of my spiritual condition. And so Which for, means no grinder, by the way. That's really? the most awful thing you can yeah. possibly do in
0: recovery. Not what you had said
1: seven months ago. Oh, my. I was becoming a sex addict. It was the final chapter of my addiction. All of 2019, again, drugs, you can go all night. I'd have three partners in one night. And some of the most gorgeous people, I'm like, this is not spiritual or right. Some of the most gorgeous people I've hooked up with, I'm like, not good enough, more, more, again, ego. And they'd all bring drugs. It's just, it's not not a way to live, whether you're an addict or yeah. not. I mean, just pure. That is bad news.
0: Normally, the last question on here is, if you could go back and tell that kid that what life was going to be like as a gay man. But I'm not going to do that with you. I'm going to do this one. If somebody is dealing with, with, with what you have dealt with, and they hear... You and your story and they're like, oh my god, that's me. I need help, but I don't know what to do. Okay
1: If you need help with addiction or anything There's so many especially in DC because there's so much addiction here There's plenty of resources just Uh that aren't rehab that you can show up to meetings um and, and really it's just about getting honest with yourself because you told me six months ago, Brian, you need help. If it was forced on me, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Um, you have to want it. That's the key. Every, a lot of people need help. The big difference is do you want help? There are tons of resources. I took the free route, which are meetings, and get myself into the rooms. Um, and I always say do 90 and 90 if you can just, Stay sober, even for 30 days. Just get the detox level. I didn't even start thinking straight until month three because all that shit was out of me. And just things, I see colors and just stuff started happening. But to get help, again, you have to want it and you have to be honest. You have to be willing to, to surrender and let go.
0: How long had it been since you have been sober for this long?
1: 15 years old, a long time.
0: So we're now uh, the kid who started a bank plan to fund his <laughs> cocaine habit in high school. Now you're living life, you're sober, you're happy. An
1: honest life. I Part of addiction is lying, dumb shit, like I would not even these big lies, just little lies. To live honest and be comfortable,
0: again, second coming out. Well, I'm happy for great. you, my friend. Thank you. You are an inspiration to many of us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jimmy. And thank you for listening to Out with Jimmy. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And um, if you're dealing with anything, as you heard Brian say, there are many ways to get help, and uh, please do it. Thank you to WTOP and Julia Ziegler for allowing us to record in their beautiful studios. Again, if you think anybody in your life needs to hear these stories, please uh, send them to Apple Podcast. Remember, you'll never know when the last time you'll be able to tell someone you love them. So go ahead and do it.